Stupid Hearts Club is yours to enjoy for free wherever you get your podcasts. But if you've fallen deeply in love with the show, or me, even though that's a bit weird because we've never met, then you might want to consider supporting the show via patreon.com forward slash stupid hearts club for about five or a month you can indulge in your sick little fantasy that i am your very own little audio husband friend without ever having to deal with the fact that in real life i leave socks and half drunk glasses of water everywhere either way i'm very happy you're here so please enjoy the show Today's amazing guest, therapist Katerina Georgiou. She's a clever lady. I'm going to say hello, Kat. How are you? Hello, I'm all right. Yeah. Very good. I'm okay. Cool. Cool. Right. So that's working. I've not muted anyone. It's literally like where it says your name, my name. The mic, there's like a microphone icon for me and a phone icon for you. If I click on your um, name, if I click on the green phone icon, it'll go gray and it'll say muted. I must have done that when I spoke to Richard without realizing I'd done it. Oh no. And so basically I had yeah. an hour and a half chat, like really intense conversation. And I don't even recorded one one person which was him and i was like i realized like five minutes after i was like are you fucking kidding me but i was like well hang on a minute he's talked a lot so i could use it and maybe i'll just like be able to say i i fucked up but it's okay like i here i asked richard this and then let him speak and but it was like uh my brain just couldn't fucking go there so we waited yeah i know but it's horrible though when you're um like when you've had a really good conversation and you think oh that's brilliant and then you lose it it's like that horrible feeling when you're when you're at like submitting something important and then it disappears or something yeah we've all done it but luckily Richard is uh deeply able to talk again and just like he's like his brain is so quick that like it's the one person that doing that wasn't exhausting for him. He was like, "Yeah, okay, when we do it again," <laughs> and we did it again and just had a really good chat again. <laughs> so I was yeah. lucky there. So yeah, my advice to you is, if you're ever gonna fuck a podcast up, do it with that guy. <laughs> I really liked that episode. It was it was really fun to listen to. Uh, yeah, it, it was really good. You were you uh, were both getting very passionate about um, stuff about Oasis. That was good to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That came out of nowhere, really, because Richard is Richard's the kind of guy that um, 
like we, we I, I I just like talking to people if they go deep I'm in there straight away but yeah. uh, and he's like that as well so we've only met three or four times four or five times maybe I went to see his show and I, I was just sat working in um, Soho Theatre and then he was there and just said hello and was all chatty and then said he's got a show on and I said oh I'll come and see that and then I did and he was really interesting and it's like a uh, a really interesting and crazy show that, that I'm sure you heard us mention in that episode called Silly Boy, which is touring at the moment, oh, and which yeah. literally tonight, as we speak, which is Thursday night, he's he's doing his third night at Soho Theatre this, uh, this week. Me and Matt Morgan went last night and both watched him and, and oh, said wow. hello to him. Because, oh, uh, yeah, I think, I don't know whether... Um, whether he was already like aware of Matt, but from us talking, however all this has come about, he's listened to Matt's show and he's listened to my show and he's he's really loving what he's hearing from like hearing how Matt's brain works mm. and has kind of said, Oh let come and come and see the show. He he wants to like talk to Matt, see if there's any sort of like room for collaboration or whatever. So that was interesting. So yeah, last night me and Matt went and watched him and uh, it was lovely to see Matt because I'd seen the show before. It's an hour. Oh. It's an hour show, and basically, Richard. If if anyone listening to this, because I'm I'm just going to say like, we've just ended up getting into a conversation now, so I suppose this is the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I'll introduce you properly in a minute, but like we're already off and running. Yeah. So uh, I had seen the show, and. Then when it, when he went off and listened to like Matt, and then he came back to me and said, "Oh yeah, Matt's really interesting, and I like hearing you two chat. Um, would it be all right to approach Matt?" And I was like, "Yeah, um, I'll ask him, you know, because he, sometimes he might be like, oh, 'I'm a bit busy or whatever, you know.' Anyway, so mm -hmm. like they got in touch, and then Matt said, "Yeah, I'm going to go and watch this guy's show," and I went, "Right, I'll come," because like I'd like I would watch it again because it was really good, but also. Uh, it's relevant be not just because it's our little world of you know cross-pollinating podcasts but also because Richard's show is one of the most frank creative uh representations of someone turning their experience of mental health issues into uh a a piece of entertainment but also a highly informative brutally honest really interesting and really quite extreme experiences he's been through you know like mm. so many people now are talking about mental health that there's been times along the way where i've thought oh, i'm just like part of a cacophony now does it really matter but even in my little world of of, of this of, of stupid hearts club and matt show and the, the reasonably modest kind of um, number of people that that might be reaching the as I've just been, I've just done, a, I've just recorded a solo one now as well. I'm going to put two out, but uh, I was just saying to the listeners that uh, because I'm still getting literal feedback in my inbox from people saying it is of value to them to hear someone talking, which you said to me all the yeah. way back, like when we last talked, uh, it feels like every everyone who's who's uh, helping to row that boat is genuinely helping, right? whether you've got like 50 people listening or 200 or yeah, thousands or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So so I guess like when Richard does his live show, I think last night 
it'd be fair to say there was maybe two or three hundred people uh, uh, underneath uh, Soho Theatre, the bottom room in oh. Soho Theatre, and and he's touring that and uh, he's done various nights. I don't know how many people in total he's reached, but it's fair to say probably a, a, a few thousand maybe by now, at least a couple of thousand, mm. you know, uh, and hearing someone actually just say yeah this happened which subjects to do with mental health that include and this is not like spoiler alert for a show like uh he's he's ex he's been diagnosed with bipolar um mm. he clearly has like adhd stuff going on like big time he has had addiction issues he's 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 been through serious bouts of depression psychosis you know like he's been through he's been he's been through stuff that went last year when i was really ill i was scared that i was at the door of that stuff but then yeah. so we were chatting about it when we when we met and we sat down in soho theater and asked him what his show was about and then he's like two million two million miles an hour excited because i was like yeah i've been through some shit and he was like oh my god oh like we've got loads of things in common and blah, blah blah and he just went off on one and i was like this is amazing but actually what you're saying like wow that's like a even like like two or three floors up from where i was uh as bad as it was when i wasn't feeling well and so i was then really intrigued like how has this guy processed what he's been through and then the show itself reflects his personality really which is he has got a, a sort of uh it's almost like a, there's a genius streak where he is able to be eloquent at high speed. Mm, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And he is basically telling us while you're watching the show that that is what his brain is like. And he he does a very good job of uh, presenting the show in such a way that uh, it's coming at you thick and fast. Like, But he makes a virtue of it in the show. And you do feel like you get a real insight into what that type of brain and what that corner of the mental health universe must be like. Because I don't think you get many people uh, telling the anecdotal stories about the rough stuff with bipolar and, and addiction. Like, I don't know what the modern version of that is until I've seen Richard's show, I guess is what I'm saying. Because you get people being earnest about it like we mm. in the tone we're talking now and you also get like the old days where like hellraisers and rock and roll and people their war stories of being an addict were more like it's like the motley crew book right dirt yeah yeah <laughs> but it's interesting now to reach a new point where people are making entertainment out of visceral scary stuff like that's really happened mm. to them yeah. sort of opened up a new channel I think do you find yeah. that people in your experience because anyone who's not heard Katerina before I will now introduce her am I saying that <laughs> right it's Katerina Georgiou yeah it's Katerina or you can call me Katie Katie right. I'll go with Katie it's just quicker <laughs> uh, Katie you, you've been a therapist for a long time right yeah yeah well yeah about uh, eight years, yeah, right. eight years. Good innings, <laughs> and you've not given up yet, and you've had a pandemic to no. deal with. 
I have, yeah. Would would you? So I'm gonna like shut up in a minute. But would you say that um, people's stories, because there's more and more of, of that happening, would you say that a lot of what we're hearing, like when I bang on, and I'm not I'm not doing myself down. I just mean that in a friendly way. When I bang on about stuff I've been through, I feel like it's not too intimidating because as bad as it was it's still just like a guy saying and i was feeling bad and then this stuff happened and then i went to the doctors and that's what that is and it was like pretty scary but there are other stories out there that you know far more extreme you've got people who you know like richard richard's had a time where he was homeless you know um like do you feel like um people are aware really that how common those extreme stories actually are they are really common yeah um i wouldn't necessarily say like increasingly common but more people are more willing to hear about them now i think because there was a time when i think people were still quite scared of it i think even though we had like mental health awareness it started off at the well at the beginning and it's still a bit like that sometimes where it's all very like on the lighter end of things about you know well-being and mental health but the the really difficult stuff like the schizophrenia and the psychosis and the Mm. um that end of things um and how difficult and messy it can get people were afraid of and i think they're not as afraid of hearing it now i i I think that is the case um and people i've noticed people are much more willing to talk about things like sectioning and medication and psychiatry and stuff like that whereas i think before people kind of thought of it as like that old you know men in straight jacket image that horrible image um well, for a long time, that was basically all the only, the only mention, like in in sort of public or like in in the pub or amongst mates, is like, yeah, you're you're, uh, everyone's keeping it to themselves, or someone's getting mm-hmm. carted off to the quote unquote the funny farm, and mm-hmm. then now we've had like maybe about five to ten years of the fluffy conversation about, hey, it's really good for your mental health if you talk to your friends, and you know, exercise is great, and eat well and self-care and i'm not i'm not knocking that down i'm sort of putting a mocking Mm. voice on there that stuff is super important but Mm. in a way that that uh tone of that conversation and the bits of it that have become very commonplace in the vernacular and that are beyond like chat shows and breakfast tv and whatever mental health is something that we're all talking about and peter crouch has just done a program about this thing you know all that mm. stuff, like, it's fucking really important because I guess that gets the most people. But uh, it's just interesting to note, isn't it, that now that we've got the fluffy language around what is effectively like saying basic maintenance for, like, just living a life that's kind of going all right and then, but then you're not all right and, like, what do you do? But that's, mm. like, if you think of it as a building, a tall building, that's, like, the first two or three floors are basically... Yeah. Uh, oh, I don't know, I just don't think I'm right, I might go and talk to someone. Uh, but we're all aware that, that that building has got a lot of flaws on it and it gets more and more stream. Not, not, I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to make a comparison that there's an absolute uh, 
a hierarchy. But you see what I'm saying is that uh, there has always been um, different levels, I guess, of uh, what people are dealing with. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. And um, there's that fear factor as well, because I think people were scared of being... There's that phrase of being locked up. Like maybe some people still do have it now. Like this fear: if you if you open up about something like that, you're gonna somehow get the men in clipboards locking you away. That image, mm. that was really pervasive, and it stopped people kind of even saying anything. But at that point, it was like even if you talked about depression you would have that fear as well of like oh that if i open up to a gp about that they'll lock me up yeah or if you tell your friends that you're if if anyone even like right in the 90s remember not not that he's got a a completely uh great record as a a tabloid um story person but remember when stan collymore the footballer said look i'm Mm. i've been suffering depression but he was like a footballer at the time that meant he was earning a lot of money and almost universally, the culture said, what the fuck are you talking about? You're not allowed to be depressed. You're rich. Mm. And like, that was what I'd say that was like mid 90s, mid to late 90s. Mm. So although there might have been someone saying, no, I mean, come on. I mean, just because someone's got money, they haven't got everything. There's no way that we were having the conversation yet where we were universally acknowledging that mental health is a thing and like whatever you think of any of these people when you've even got like prince harry doing a documentary talking about mental health whatever anyone thinks of that story i'm not fucking going there i'll tell you that because i'm so bored of it all but (laughs) but it's still like it's a fact that even someone like that has got the right to to mention well-being mental health and and uh emotional struggles and families and whatever like literally everyone it's completely yeah. universal isn't it right yeah. That, that, yeah. that that's a real thing in our lives and um and it's still yeah. it, it's weird sorry i'm sorry, sorry on, you, you go. haven't finished no i was um just gonna say like um obviously i won't go into harry because like you you said you're bored of it but i was just remembering like some of the news stories at the time it's really interesting how like it can get weaponized in some ways depending on what side of the fence you're on so it's like if someone is um if you're not happy with someone you can kind of use their mental health against them it's like oh um that person needs to go to therapy it can be used as a weapon to say there's something not right with you you need therapy yeah right but then if someone's had therapy it's like, oh, you've had therapy, so I'm going to negate everything you say. And I find that that gets used a lot in, like, court situations, in the law and stuff like that. Like, it's still weaponized in a weird What do you mean by it gets way. negated? Um, like, for example, I've noticed, like, say there's, like, a court case, or, like, just when I'm thinking of, like, public court cases, um, mm-hmm. you often hear, like, how people's psychiatric diagnoses are used as uh, ways to invalidate their evidence. Um, I've I've noticed that quite a lot. Yeah, Um, right, of course. Or like people kind of casting aspersions on someone's sanity. It's like there's a kind of subtle implication that you can't trust what this person says because, you know, they have a history of, I don't know, borderline personality disorder or something and people hear that word Mm. and it can 
still take people to that place of um, stigma and judgment. It's it's really interesting how we've come so far with it. We've we've kind of almost removed it, but in those moments, it can come back and it gets used and weaponized in the media a lot still. Definitely. When it, when it's yeah. And also and the, the, her, this thing of judging whether someone's got the right to complain. Yeah. Or, exactly. or say that they suffered. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. All right. I mean, as, as we're sort of dancing around that <laughs> that, that particular subject, I mean, I, I am not I'm not going to go there with my opinion on it. That's all. But it is just interesting to note that uh, people get so angry about the idea of someone saying they've had a crap time if they think that person hasn't got any right to say they've got they're having a crap time because because of uh, their opinion on it right it's kind of odd mm. and it's like so it doesn't even matter what the reality of that situation is because like I, the reason i'm sick of that thing it's just like that is just one family that is someone's family i do not understand mm. how it's become so important to everyone else that everyone's angry and has got an opinion on it when actually all the bit of it that is actually handy and we could all be using to our advantage is well look that's how fucked up trying to trying to um get the chewing gum out of out of the hair of an issue is uh just on one family like this is like mm. we've all got that we've all got that going on on some level like one member of a family's view of their trauma and the dysfunction they grew up in and all that could well be seen as a, a hostile threat by other members of the family and they will uh deny their reality or make them out to be a scapegoat or um yeah it's quite often the person that heals in a dysfunctional family that then starts saying guys this isn't healthy that person can end up being uh put in a sort of blame role or or uh be be uh tarred with a brush of being a trouble causer yeah they become the black sheep Mm. Um, and that's another thing as well where therapy can get weaponized because in that scenario i'm not saying this is what happened it probably did happen this way but um where like in that moment before the person's gone to therapy family members can sort of as you say scapegoat a family member and say that person needs to go to therapy but the family is sort of sending them to therapy almost as if they're hoping that person will be disciplined and that the therapist will somehow take the side of the family and teach the person a lesson but the reality of therapy is never that well it shouldn't be if if it's a proper therapist that knows what they're doing they're very we're very wise to that dynamic um so it's yeah it's very important that people know that um if oh well i if i speak from myself if if i receive an email from family saying someone in our family we we would like this person to get therapy i mean it's never happened where a whole family would do that but say there's like a spouse or a sibling or someone that said um what what i will always make sure to do is i'll say you know please can you ask the person to get in touch with me directly so from the moment there's any interaction with me i'm only going to communicate with the person having the therapy um, unless there's some reason why they can't like you know 
there's some cases where yeah, that's I mean, that, not the case. Like if someone's, you know, yeah. Sorry, I, sorry I was just going to say, like, uh, I think I've I've sort of like dipped my toe into this world enough that that I would recognise that as a potential not a red, not necessarily a red flag, but like if 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 this person is serious about this process, they sort of nine times out of ten, surely or more than nine times out of ten needs to be coming from them because the whole thing is like someone wanting to engage rather than someone else saying you should engage right yeah you've got i mean that's that's the whole thing like no one can save anyone this is like i learned this the hard way and still learning it but that that's where these type of stuff comes into play it's like we've all seen friends or we've had people say that we need help but it's only when we say I feel like I need help and I'm going to get help and I'm ready to face the idea of getting help and then you take responsibility for it. You are immediately empowering yourself when you do that, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you're empowering yourself and you're, I guess you're, the onus is on responsibility. So you're mm. taking the agency to contact the therapist, but also like, as a therapist you're respecting that person's autonomy as well so that that person might be in a family where it's never occurred to them that they could have that autonomy um or have that self-responsibility and it's really important for the therapist to set the tone almost straight away like that to to that for them to initiate the the emailing and getting in touch for the therapy um and then so they know it's their thing it's their thing yeah and the therapist is working with that client so the therapist is never going to be well they really shouldn't be they're never they're never going to be like on side like the side of the family they're never going to take sides like that they're gonna hear what the client is bringing to the room and work with that only and i think what can often happen is uh, if a family has if we stay with that scapegoating thing like if a family has pushed someone for therapy in the belief that the therapist is going to somehow put them right very often they get a bit of a shock when they realize actually just like what's happened with harry (laughs) actually the 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 person has done the opposite of what they expected and and then what then happens is they'll say oh they've had bad bad therapy well yeah (laughs) to because it didn't work it must have been bad therapy but what's actually happened is the person's done a whole load of work in the therapy realized a few things and then maybe made some decisions for themselves that's taken them out of the pattern that they were stuck in in their family dynamic I'm going to do a couple of claps so I can mark where that is when I when I go to edit. I don't know if you've ever heard, but whenever I do sync clap bits in Matt's podcast, it gets him really angry. <laughs> <laughs> but like, even though like, basically what I'm doing is I'm, sh- if he's looking at that file, he would see that there's two little straight lines and that's where the bit is that we need to do. But for some reason, he hates me doing it. It's really funny. We like... <laughs> We absolutely don't agree on loads of like little, you know, everyone's got their own little funny little ways of doing things. Yeah. 
I, I'm loving <laughs> col- collaborating with him more and more because part of what's funny about it is that he thinks I'm ridiculous and I think he's ridiculous, but we <laughs> but we really like each other. So yeah, yeah it's really fun. Uh, anyway, I like that. Yeah, I, I like that about your dynamic. It's really enjoyable to listen to, and I think what's really lovely is that you can see that you're both you, you both like each other and have a lot of love for each other, but you can also antagonise each other. I think that's so important in a friendship <laughs> to be. Yeah, able but we to found we found you. we found a way of doing that. That to be fair, yeah. like from early on, where we just went, well, we went on it with a dynamic, and we got like ratty with each other, and it was funny, mm. but the potential was there to fall out oh yeah, yeah whereas now i know that i can say all right that's funny but stop that but actually yeah. that's funny but do that bit but don't do that bit because that get, makes me feel weird and he'll go oh god no and 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 the other way around you know he might go like you know like like when we we, we argue about interrupting or whatever and you know all that but yeah we 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 we're good at communicating which is is what well bringing us back to where we were before I just stopped for a second. Uh, communication is everything, and uh, let's go back to what we were saying, which was that handily against everybody's will, talking about the royal family as a as a as a proxy for just a family, which ultimately yeah. is what they are. You're ab- you're absolutely right. That is the one bit of it that I am I am. I am intrigued by but what's interesting is when you try and have conversations with people I'm just not going to say anyone in particular <clears throat> my mum um, <laughs> people get so angry about the thing because they think it's just this soap opera that they're supposed to have some like um, some say in what the narrative is and they don't like what's happening And but nobody is nobody's stepping back and going well that's a family made of adults it's in fact it's the most extreme version of what loads of families are going through which is that yeah. you've got like how the family works and the the existing dynamic and dysfunctions and traditions and like this is the law of this family and then a yeah. person who then goes off and says i think there's stuff that i need to address is al- almost always on you know whatever else may have happened in their life family background and the uh what that has been and what your what your universe has been shaped how your universe has been shaped by that by your family will be like will have helped to get you where you are and then it's like you start doing therapy to find out that that isn't just like the way the whole universe is and it's something you can engage with learn from and then step outside of and become autonomous and all that right so i was just i just did a, a solo uh episode before this to sort of set this up and just to catch up because I missed I, I, I keep trying to get guests and then we don't figure it out and I keep uh, cocking that up so I'm, I'm going to do more solo ones just I'm always saying something and then rack up the guests when I get them but anyway I was just setting up this idea and the the the, the visual kind of like analogy that I ended up coming up with when I was chatting just before was that underneath whatever we are like whatever my character is, I'm walking around like wearing the clothes I wear, being the age I am and the the social class I am and the job that I do and whatever else is a sort of undergarment. I, I kind of almost saw it as like a like a head to toe like bodysuit that we wear that is that is like the outfit of like 
what we think we are and mm. our beliefs, right? And that whatever your background is and where you've grown up and what your family's like and how you think about yourself and all of that stuff is like underneath the other character that you put on top of that in the form of like your personality and your tastes and your clothes and all the rest of it. But what 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 I was sort of talking about was that whatever whoever wherever you go whatever you do if you don't engage with it that kind of undergarment part of us you know that the, the 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 skin of us that is 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 our conditioning we're, you know a lot of people go through their whole life without realizing that's something that can be taken off looked at tweaked understood added to you could put some patches on you could sew a bit up that was broken you can you know it's it's not finite it's not finished you don't you don't you might not even because it's because it feels literally like your skin you might not even ever think of addressing it and mm -hmm. so my analogy that i make in the context of what we're saying now is that uh if you look at any family system or if you just look at the royal family and think of them as like harry or whoever william any of them have grown up wearing the undergarment that is this is how you are in this particular family these are the this is the the uh the restrictions and the the uh responsibilities of being in this this system that we have as a family and then this one person's gone away and gone uh do you know what uh that's really fucking weird and i've now done all this work that's made me see the reality of what my skin suit is made of and i don't like all of it and i'm gonna like engage with that and i'm gonna do it publicly because i can and because that's the era we are living in where it's like you don't nobody has to they might this is now my opinion is creeping in nobody has to like keep going the system they were born into especially when they've discovered it through personal work that it's literally dysfunctional and is harming them yeah. So yeah. it's very interesting to note that uh, very little of the conversation around the royal thing is around how hard it is growing up in a family and and that we've all got the right to figure out where we fit. Yeah, It's like just nobody's talking about it. It's all fucking weaponized stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Probably... Um... I reckon part of that as well is because the public, at least some sections of the public, like the ones that have got like a real loyalty to the royals, mm -hmm. um, in a way are part of that system as well. So they're, mm -hmm. they're feeling threatened by yeah. the idea of that collapsing. So it, so it serves this whole system yeah, to keep the scapegoat. Yeah. It it's can... a bit, it's a bit too easy to say this and it's a bit convenient, right? But, I, I would argue there's possibly some crossover and I'm not mentioning anyone, my mum. I'm not <laughs> I'm not I'm not throwing my weight around. But um if you personally don't like the idea of someone saying what what's gone on here is not good for me and I'm gonna change it and I'm you know standing slightly apart from that system now and I'm 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 now autonomous and like I would argue I have done that uh that can be a really difficult thing for the for the other people yeah. in a family and in the, in the system so when they see this thing happening in fairy tale soap opera royal land it may be that part of the reason they're so angry about it is because it's a proxy or a, a projection 
of of mm. what they might feel about uh, their feelings around your family system being analysed by professionals and one black sheep mm. member who goes off and processes lots of trauma and then starts mentioning it at Christmas and all of that, right? <laughs> so, but it's really yeah. interesting. Like, I don't, I don't say that with any. Um, judgment actually about 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 anyone because so let's let's say any family my family the royal family whatever the ones who are still doing the system or, or like still in in the, the cycle or, or you know the wheel or whatever you want to call it mm. uh i mean they didn't choose to be on that in the first place either and for yeah, whatever exactly. reason that is what they know yeah. and when someone suddenly says hang on a freaking minute uh there's other parts of the universe there's other things other than this wheel this this outfit this thing that we do as a group and i i need to do something else and then that person starts effectively talking like a foreign language mm. and says you may now not talk to me like that or you may now not expect this from me or you i will now tell you when i think your behavior is bad and you won't I will not invite you somewhere or I won't come and see you unless, and they start putting boundaries in place. And while the person who is putting the boundaries in place is doing that, what people forget, and this is where I do sympathize, even with someone as uh, privileged as a Harry or a Meghan, when they are putting those boundaries in place, say about whether you go to a bloody royal coronation or whatever it is, imagine how fucking scary it is sending that email. Yeah. Whoever you are, you know that that is the same as you saying, Mum, I'm not coming home for Christmas because the last time I was there, you made me feel like shit and I cried. Yeah. Or, Dad, you've not acknowledged the hurt that you caused, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you, you, you've, set my, you've set my brother against me. He doesn't understand you. He's always been the favourite, blah, 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 blah. Like, when people st- do the work, find out what their issues are, and then they start yeah. standing in their own space or whatever you want to call it standing in their own truth and all that mm. uh they've got a fight on their hands which is i they're effectively uh it's like someone going into it to a company and saying right i'm the new i'm i'm a new member of this company and i am spotting what needs to change and what needs to be sacked and where savings need to be made and all that and you can guarantee that that company is gonna all hate that person because it's like oh my god they're threatening our jobs or they're threatening our system like the thing that we're all comfortable with and um it's traumatic it's traumatic for for everyone everyone, right yeah i always like to like picture it almost like um like a spider web because on a spider web like if you imagine like the big spider is like the dynamic that everyone's locked into and it's it's there's a threat there and it's quite negative but if like the web can only exist as a full web like the second someone um like breaks free of the web the web is destroyed Mm. so there's like an investment to keep the web alive but then if the web is toxic if there's this Mm. spider on it you know um then how do you maintain the web and get rid of the toxicity very often you can only do it by destroying the whole thing and then the people that are vested in it um they've got nothing to hold on to then have they? they've got nothing exactly so it is quite a sacrifice 
that the person doing it is almost doing it for a kind of greater good in a way they might not be consciously thinking of it in that way but the there's a kind of greater good but it does require short-term destruction in some way and it's very traumatic and i think as well is is there two ways of looking at that though can i just say is it like not that a person who's just gone through therapy would have the skill or the the breadth of knowledge this is such a good analogy what you just made but would like so like you then get to the point where you go right you've figured out this stuff and then you've got to like stand your ground and do your thing but is in in talking about making a decision to like destroy the web that you don't mean like you've decided that you're gonna like tear this family apart and everyone's gonna know just what a piece of shit they are and that this has all been terrible for you and whatever it's more like i mean obviously people could do that but it's almost like now that you've got you as we're talking about spider webs and spider-man mm-hmm. it's like you now have the power of what you've learned but but you need to use it with the responsibility of spider-man mm-hmm. uh you can still get your autonomy but it's like be careful a what you expect is going to happen now that you know this yeah. stuff that's definitely a mistake i not not a mistake i made along the way but when i'd get excited about what i've learned and then try and try and uh, appeal to the other members of the family to like well yeah but that was that and that wasn't right because blah 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 so when you think about it and blah, blah blah and i want you to be proud that i now know this stuff and maybe you'll understand me and whatever but it was like slightly naive because like you said the other members of a family will be holding onto that web going, uh, this is where we live. We live on this web. Yeah, exactly. So would you say that uh, it's not so much like, I don't want anyone listening to this to go, oh God, I don't know if I want to do that. It sounds like at the end of therapy, you've got a decision to make of whether you like no. destroy your family. Is it just, is it, how would you, how would you sort of explain that, that new, that new knowledge that you've got this maybe a bit a bit of the start of a new superpower that other members of your family might not have what should you do with that yeah i think the thing is you don't have to do anything with it it's mm. it's really interesting that because i have noticed that with clients sometimes um there can be a fear that they have to act on it or something and you don't um there's no like requirement to do anything in fact but it's kind of um it's more getting you to the point and it's it's not even the therapist saying to to the patient or client you know this is what's going on in your family and this is how it is it's much more quiet than that it's more slow it's it's a slow realization maybe from the client that this is the dynamic in their family and it's kind of raising their awareness and Mm -hmm. then giving them that awareness and then with that a choice of like um it may be safer actually to stay it might actually be safer um but at least they're aware that that's the reason they're staying Mm -hmm. um this is the case i think especially like where you've got situations of abuse i mean i don't know i don't I don't know how dark you you want me to get, but like I mean, in it's fine. For say, for example, yeah, say for example, you've got a family where one of the family members is being sexually abused. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting you talked about like scapegoat, for example, because what can often happen in in that dynamic is if you've got like 
two or three siblings, one of the siblings could be being abused, but the other siblings, or one of the other siblings, is the golden child. Yes. So they don't see the abuse, but what they do get is benefit from being in that system. Yeah. And very often when someone tries to speak out and say, this is happening to me, mm -hmm. um, it can be really difficult for other family members to conceive that possibility because all they've received is yeah. love. And, and so then the prospect of that system being destroyed is like actually you're threatening to take away love from them yes um so they can therefore feel invested in scapegoating the person who's broken out and i think if someone's if that person who is being abused is in therapy very often it can be that they don't realize it and um maybe it's taken a while of being in therapy to to kind of name it and and sort of acknowledge it and then understand what's going on. And in that scenario, yeah, maybe it isn't safe, especially if there's like domestic violence involved or something like that. It's not always as easy as saying, just leave and go because it can bring all sorts of danger to the to that person. Yeah, not, and not always as easy as saying, like, yeah, I've now compiled my dossier of I know how exactly how this family works and I've gathered you here all to tell you what part you play in it and now I win. Like, there is no win, is there, really? It's like mm. you knowing what's what so that you can understand yourself and then, like you say, make decisions. And when you talk mm. about making decisions, it's kind of like where hopefully that leads to, t tell me if I'm wrong, is to so that you are more empowered to make decisions so that you get to look after yourself and, mm. and and practice self-care and keep yourself out of situations you don't want to be in or hold your ground or don't go to royal weddings you don't want to go to or whatever <laughs> it is you don't you do or don't want to do because it will make you ill if you don't like you get you get to you get to be able to look after yourself a bit better and like you say that might mean that you still find a way of going and hanging out with your family almost like the same amount of time that you did before, but you will take that awareness with you and you'll be able to give your little your own hand a little squeeze now and again or roll your eyes and then go, well, there's the thing. And yeah. you'll sort of like, what I've found is, uh, in, and this isn't like particularly just like, I have done family stuff, but I, the things that I feel like I've learned over the years, they they, they are they apply equally to family stuff, romantic stuff, professional stuff, kind of like in terms of boundaries and me being a people pleaser and being a bit of a walkover and all that, like for a long time. Like the more I, the more learning I've done about that in great detail, the more I've realized how it's almost like how I treat not everyone, but huge amounts of people and so like I, I did all these years just doing like family stuff but it's only been like season five of of me being on that journey has been like oh my god like i'm now realizing when i have to stop myself doing that like a, a few times a week just with random people mm -hmm. who i've only just met or that someone's saying do you want to come and do this or would you do that for me or whatever and it's like whatever i learned that that empowers me to to be a bit of an expert and know how to handle family stuff, I hadn't realised that a bit of the work I hadn't done yet was 
make sure you apply it everywhere because you need to look mm-hmm. at you looking after yourself isn't just with your with that original family group you looking after yourself is like every day in the world to make sure that you can be as happy as you can be so that's kind of interesting angle isn't it because all this work you do this specific stuff people have it's so common it's so horribly common people have grown up in mm-hmm. one form or another of an uh, uh let's at least say dysfunctional uh, all the way up to abusive in all the different ways people can be abusive uh and like having maybe got your your certificate and your cap and gown for like doing all that work uh the fact is that there is there is if you want it there's more learning to do so that you are not just focusing on literally your family but on how you the new version of you can can do and 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 can interact with other people in the world in general right yeah exactly and it's also like um I suppose the process can also help it feel less maddening as well because you can feel quite alone in those situations and like especially if you've you've got all this awareness and it seems like no one around you understands that Mm. and you're kind of sitting with it on your own but then if you can you know talk to someone in confidence about it it sort of helps you it validates it a bit you kind of actually you're not going mad you're, you're kind of this is going on in the family this is how it is and even just that alone to keep you sort of buoyed that you've you've got this sort of other yeah, yeah. person or haven to go to to validate what you're saying also like so i i would, I would i'm not an only child but i like i grew up an only child and now i have it's a very interesting story five half siblings but I only grew up with one of them from the age of 15 so like Jess is what I consider my sister mm-hmm. so um we're we're 15 years apart so like I'll just I won't go any further into any specifics about our family but what I will say is one of the issues of uh figuring out family stuff is that as you discover what as you dig away at the sand and discover the, like the hidden bits that you're discovering about the family then you want to report it back to someone else like your sibling or a cousin or an auntie or an uncle and say oh I've been guess what I've just been doing this for three months and listen to all the stuff I'm finding and it's so great to be able to tell you about it other person that I like in the family and that other person isn't hasn't got the same perspective of you anyway Mm. they might be a different age they might relate to the person or the people in the family differently like they might not see it that way they might be they might be threatened by like whoa where are you going with all this stuff and mm-hmm. uh they might have in place at that point their their way of surviving in that system which is what most mm-hmm. of us are doing right we're going like okay so we're a family that doesn't talk we brush things under the carpet i'm still doing that get away from me yeah. but then 10 15 years down the line you might be like swanning around like you nailed this stuff years ago and then you suddenly see someone else in in a family system start going through the the existentials uh, uh put upon and that sounds negative put upon but like suffering feeling a little bit like prince harry has felt in the last few years and get and then watching someone go through that stage where they go i can't have this anymore uh that could happen for different people at different times yeah. and then they'll be the one wanting to 
tell someone else in the family and then that other person won't get it and by that yeah. time they might go right well I tell you who understands this it's like even older than me person so they go to that person who did do therapy and whatever and like now they're at a whole new fucking level of understanding like you're like I personally feel like I'm like very happy with my level of acceptance and uh, like all the stuff I learned that was difficult to to learn it now is like it sits I sit very comfortably with all that stuff now and um uh you, you start to feel a little bit more like you're you've got like your jedi robes on yeah and and, and the th i don't mean that in an arrogant way i mean it in a way that um i'm suddenly finding that as much as i you know can still get like upset by all sorts of situations and people and don't like anyone treating me badly i am there's like something that's kicked in post me being very ill especially because that that involved someone not treating me very nicely and i had did mm -hmm. i did some i had to seriously have a reckoning with whether or not i was going to let that sort of shit happen anymore ever again and it's like going through that and coming out the other side of it it's like as i left that burning building someone went there's your there's your sword or your shield or whatever like you've now reached that level of like you're almost like a knight of the realm of of <laughs> uh no more bullshit thank you very much right mm -hmm. so what I'm finding now is that any bits of bullshit that are coming at me from wherever could be a grumpy parking attendant, bus driver, a, a, a system not working when you phone to try and get help. It could be uh, a grumpy person in the street that decided, like this very funny one the other week where a mate came down for a drink with me and I was chatting to him and I was being a little bit liberal with my language and dropped a couple <laughs> of F-bombs, sat outside a pub on a busy street and then suddenly this, this quite old guy who was sat with his wife suddenly went, do you have to swear every second <laughs> word? And, and I was like, oh my God, I'm getting told off. And we sort of were half giggling, but I was also like blushing and wanting to fight back. And I said, I'm not mm. going to swear at this old man, but I was like, uh, I am, you know what, I'm, I am very sorry. To, Must you swear in front of my wife? <laughs> but I felt a bit shamed and like I wanted to argue back with him. But like mm. there was, it was just interesting to note that uh, I was quite quickly able to go, that anger is happening over there inside that other person. That isn't, mm. and I didn't mean any harm and I know that I'm okay. So I don't need to toss and turn for three days about how dare that person say that like years ago I could like someone could swear at me I could be like driving my bike or my car and make a mistake on the road and someone beeps you and tells you're an idiot and you can mm. really let it get in, in, under your skin right so I feel like I've now graduated a bit more to a point where could be anyone relative work colleague fucking whatever romantic person argument with whoever like I'm able to detach myself from it easier and it's like that's been a very recent development and it's one that I'm very very pleased is is uh, appears to have sort of taken hold yeah yeah it's a bit like karate kid you're learning like the wax on wax off for years and then suddenly you're doing it <laughs> without thinking no word of a lie i literally used that analogy like this week 
in, in, did you? I, I honestly did. Oh, wow. I lit that is that's amazing. I I, on, I may have even said it on a podcast. I'm not sure whether oh, it was man. like I don't know, but yeah. Uh, but you're absolutely right. It's like you are learning. It's like muscle memory, if you like, isn't yeah. it? Or uh, yeah. I don't know. I was never good at learning and revising and stuff like that. So I, you know, but yeah, uh, muscle memory or even like learning a musical instrument or whatever, which like feels like the hardest thing in the world. How do I strum this thing and change where my fingers are and keep rhythm and sing? Then at some point you can just fucking do it, right? So, the one an interesting way of looking at that is that um, to anyone who's listening, where they've not even started the journey of self reflection, therapy, sharing, whatever, and it, it, it this might all make it sound like quite daunting, like it's a very long process, like that's very personal, like for people, isn't it? But but what I would say is just because you've done about and then you come out of it you think I learned that and whatever I think it's a positive thing that there's going to be more chapters and more layers yeah. of the onion to learn about because honest to God and it's nice to be able to say this to you because you you were there like when I needed to talk to someone when things were really bad and we, we talked on the podcast as I was just starting to recover and I know that people found that helpful to listen to and I certainly found it deeply uh comforting that i knew that if i needed to because we talked mm. if if it got really scary again and it did start getting like heavy that i knew that i could at least reach out to various people including yourself and say uh yeah like i think things are getting to this point can i just use someone as a soundboard what should i do mm. but it's so lovely to be able to talk to you again from a point of view where I literally feel like I've got a different brain yeah. and, and some of that is just well I was ill and now I'm not ill but some of it is also I am now feeling like a product not a product but where, where my brain's at is is as a result of like years of practice like the old 10,000 hours almost thing like yeah. you know yeah. so it can be done like however like lost you feel I don't think anyone should feel like intimidated or sad or like embarrassed about learning about yourself because it's like you're yourself that's like the best person you know <laughs> you yeah, know exactly <laughs> the most important one you know like you know I don't see myself more important literally than anyone not any other human being but you're the person whose skin you've got to walk around in you've got to like live in your brain like every day and every week so like the more you learn about that guy or that person, that lady, or or anything in between, um, it's just going to make it a little bit easier to uh, to have the moves, you know. Yeah, exactly. And everyone's got. Sorry, that gurgle happened. I don't know if you heard it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Sorry, you probably hear it on there when you listen back. Um, I was just going to say, there's like levels as well because to an outsider you might look at someone I think a lot of people do this they if someone has had a lot of therapy people can go how has that person had therapy when they're still so I don't know so irate or, or something like mm. that but I guess it's because you don't ever know what the starting point was and like if someone's come out of like um a serious trauma and they, their starting point was they couldn't even speak about this stuff and maybe they were in um, 
a constant vigilance and trauma response and they were dissociating constantly and then they've got to a point where they're no longer dissociating but they do get triggered quite quickly that in itself is a massive journey um and sometimes yeah so the end point isn't we're not all headed for the same end point we might not even it's a little bit i guess that's a bit like fitness right Mm, yeah i go i want to get fit means i want to be able to not puff and pant when i go up the stairs someone else it might mean i'm going to run across a desert yeah exactly but you still get to be proud of the uh whatever level of achievement you unlocked yeah because like if you staying with that analogy like if you if you're someone who was like paraplegic and you you can do loads of work just to move your big toe Mm -hmm. the amount of effort to do that could be the same amount of effort that someone else spent running a marathon it's kind of yeah as you say it's not the 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 work is in yeah it's completely relative um for sure and also to say as well like the therapists themselves i know there's different you know there's different quality of therapy depending on who you see but most therapists have been through things themselves and they typically understand as well and I think sometimes there can be an image of a therapist or mental health professionals being kind of almost in this like on this high horse yeah, yeah. and as if they're the ones that have all the answers and they can never do wrong and they've never suffered and it's it's not true like a lot of them are still on their journeys as well yeah absolutely Um, yeah yeah and i like that you never get to know what that journey is but it's still comforting to know that that level that that the compassion that surely drives that part of a therapist to go yeah i mean you learn from your own journey and then it makes you understand even with a different problem that someone's sitting there is wrestling with something and that you helping them with it is like soothing to them in the same way that them finding out what they need to know helps them yeah i mean yeah like living it and then paying it forward is is really important right yeah yeah one of the things that uh i, I was saying in my in the solo episode that i put just before this one is that it still continues to be the case that I occasionally, probably every at least every couple of weeks, someone who I may have talked to before but quite often have never talked to before who listens to either Matt's podcast or listens to my podcast or both uh, sends me a message and very often, apart from them saying, oh, that made me laugh or whatever, you know, like if we've been having a silly chat, people are sharing that it helps to hear people mm. processing stuff so even though i don't intend every episode to be like a deep dive like this one or like the solo one i just did i'm starting to realize that they are really they really are important to people so like i want to keep them coming uh and one thing i've just said on the solo one is i'm almost wondering whether uh if someone if people want they can if they want to share a bit more or make that part of this universe or send a message and mm. say like almost like someone writes into a radio show and says dear dear whoever you know bloody ken bruce 
listening to your show means this, this, and this, and blah, 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 and I went through that, and blah, 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 and it's almost like a shout-out type thing. I'd be very happy to do that. People want to be mentioned or or so that... Not not because... Not about anything to do with like exposing that person or me getting a pat on the head because someone said thanks, but almost like because you lot are benefiting from hearing another person's voice, I think if we if we add more voices... I think that starts it's it's like the communal feeling is really yeah. healing I think so that I personally feel like I had a I had a shit few days actually didn't feel good about it for a number of reasons and then genuinely this email the uh, inbox message that a person sent me yesterday saying nice one and being reflective and honest in a in just about the podcast and about oh you're I'm a bit like this and you're a bit like that we're not really the same but I find it really uh it's really helpful for me listening to this person who I don't know talking about this thing because then you realize the bits that we have got in common and this is, comes back to this idea of shared experience and humanity and all the rest of it. And like, this is literally someone's taken the time out to send me this message. And mm. and, and, and as I've just said in my solo one, they're, they're, what they thought they were doing is saying thank you to me for like... Uh, because they're getting some benefit out of listening to people speaking. But I'm now saying thank you to them because I was in a shit mood and them sending me that message gave me the same feeling that I would get from listening to a podcast where I think, oh, like I love Blind Boy Boat Club. I love that podcast. Like such a gentle, compassionate. And, it, and you can, you know, there's, it's not like you're trying to get all the answers in one episode and all that. It's just like somewhat somewhere to check in where it just feels like something good happens and you release something, you re, you relieve yourself of something by having that conversation. So, yeah, I just can't get enough of all of us sharing these conversations. And I, I, I do, I do intend to like try and keep it light most of the time and still have a laugh and be a dick and mess about and show off and do music but I, I just I just love this this stuff I just I just feel like it's I just feel like it's really important as well especially at the moment with where the world and more specifically our country is we I think we all need each other yeah yeah and when you when you said before like you were worried or you had been worried at one point that you're kind of talking about it like almost like in a saturated market almost but actually it's different because as you said it's like it's a community of people tuning in specifically to you rather than a kind of mass broadcast because like anyone could sort of um I guess you could put the TV on and there could be, I, I was going to say something like this morning, but I won't go there. But you know, you could put on like breakfast TV or something and um, there's always some bulletin about mental health and there's always someone talking about it. And I'm sure that captures a lot of people mm. but at the same time it's very broad mm. and it's very um because of that it has to be quite general and there's maybe not the depth that you might need whereas if there's like a smaller community of people tuning in to a podcast there's a different kind of investment and they understand your story and the connection comes yeah, from a good that point group. That, isn't it so in other words the the media 
gently tickling us with the th uh, with the mention of mental health can look like something that you just go oh, good everyone's saying this word but mm. you should not worry that it is just this flippant throwaway fad sort of meaningless thing that's alongside today we'll be talking about Meghan Markle Meghan Markle mm. mental health you know de uh, loom bands and you know and, and <laughs> succession like there's just like yeah. four things that are happening like things that are trending you're right you're right it's like it is so much deeper than that but there sort of isn't time in passing to do it justice it's almost like saying like uh not that again we still don't really talk very deeply about all this stuff but if someone was to say like sex therapy mm. is really important in relationships and they kept and that became something that's been mentioned more and more we're now that that becomes like the next fad if you like in mental health they're not going to be talking about specific sex therapy issues in a five minute segment on this morning they're just going to be talking about how important it is and don't feel embarrassed that you can't go and talk to someone if you've been suffering with these kinds of things you know so like it, it they keep it on the sort of uh on the um what you call it the broad level yeah yeah but yeah it's a really good point don't don't every anyone out there think that's a false world there's nothing really in it it's hollow it really isn't hollow it's fucking deeply you know empowering and brilliant to sort of go off on your own journey and learn get fully graduated in in what you're about and, and not only what you're about and it's, i think i think i was just saying this in 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 the last podcast or it might be when i was just like talking to myself walking around but it's not just about like so with that that analogy of the 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 suit the undersuit like the the leotard or whatever it is I'm saying, it's like <laughs> when that that gets that gets <laughs> yeah it's Sorry. not just like a repair job it's not like oh there's where the hole is because that's like my issue from blah 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 so that's been fixed and so now it's watertight again it's actually like mm -hmm. that can be whatever you want it to be like you are something that can be added to not just fixed. You, you know, what you are and what you've been so far has probably been limited by not really even knowing that, that you were wearing that suit. But actually, the potential, this is the bit where I'm like, I'm gonna, it almost frightened of myself. I'm starting to sound like a, a bit, um, what did they call those preachers, you know, when you were like born again and all that? Uh, evangelical. Yeah, like evangelical. But it's because I'm genuinely excited that I feel like I've got, I've gone through that stage and now it's like, all right, so if I'm able to stand my ground and change boundaries and make big changes and get over illnesses and da da da, it's like what else can I fucking do that mm. I've that that all these years I've I've not really thought I can, you know. So yeah. that's a bloody good reason to work on yourself because I think we've all got so much potential. Yeah. Even if you're traumatized and you're in the shit right now. Or you're 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 worried about the world, or the, your life, or money, or whatever else. It's like, yeah, you can only you can only sort of like clear the wreckage and do all that. You can only do it in the right order. But it's like in the long run, fuck knows where this this could take you. You know, I'm sorry yeah. to be uh, you dropped the French. I don't. I, I've never heard you swear, so I don't know if you're a swearer in real life. Oh, I've, I am. I do swear. Yeah, <laughs> not a lot, but like I do. I can do. I can get into moments where I can swear. I quite like hearing swearing. Oh, I love I, a swear. I, I I do like it because I 
I, I like hearing other people swear as well. Mm. It just makes it just unlike makes me that think, old man outside the pub in Brighton. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like, I actually quite like it when people make spelling mistakes as well. Mm. It just it's a little reminder that we're all human. I, mm. I just love it. <laughs> um Here's an interesting question. Yeah. So in my my first therapist, which was about I'd say two thousand and nine. Uh, when I first started that, and I and I saw him for four and a half years. It was amazing. Learned loads, and yeah, it was only the beginning. But there were moments where, because he heard, he heard me talk passionately a lot about creative stuff and writing and ambitions, and like, it was a bit more like trying to prove something to the world at that point. But passion about comedy or writing or whatever else, and so I would. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't edit myself, and I would be like, "Yeah, you know." And the thing about that, and I read it, and it's like, and you just go, "That is so fucking exactly what I want to say," and blah blah blah, mm. and whatever. So this guy listens to me for like a couple of years, and at this point, like, I love looking forward to those chats, but then I start noticing that he now and again might have a moment when he wants to make a point to me, and I felt like, and it wasn't like it was a bad thing. But I felt like he almost mirrored my language. Like uh. he would drop an F-bomb in. <laughs> and I'd think, he's doing an impression of me. Oh. Not exactly an impression, you know. But like, yeah, there was like a little sense of, uh, he's putting this in terms that he, sub, sub no, the subtext is, he knows that that is a, the vibe of how he's putting this would chime with me. It could mm. even be just about an idea or a, uh, an analogy from a book or whatever. Like some really interesting conversations with that guy. He was amazing. Mm. And um, when I, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I had to like move on from seeing him because it was like too far away and some work had been done and it just like was the right time to sort of bring it to an end. And we worked towards an end over about three months. And then when I left, and this, bearing in mind, I had done the, oh, I didn't have a dad work. I did all that with him and like the early sort of like family stuff. The end of it, when we said goodbye, I sort of don't, I don't know how you do a goodbye with a therapist you've seen for four and a half years. Mm, and and, he, and the answer was he hugged me at his door as I left, which I totally wasn't expecting because it had always been. He was always like, he'd smile and say, you know that I don't talk about personal stuff. Like, he knew that I always played the cheeky game of trying to get under the door. Come on, you can imagine <laughs> us drinking a pint with our Aaron jumpers on. And he'd laugh and go, yeah, very good. I know you like saying that. But anyway, back to what we were working on. And I loved mm -hmm. him for doing that, right? So the last one, when I said goodbye, and he went, right, so I guess this is goodbye then. And he was like, you know, you can always come back anytime. I said, oh, I know that. That's fine. I was like, fine, I'm, I'm out of here. And, and he went, right, well, bye then. And I went sort of like that awkward thing. It's like, are we shaking hands or what? And he gave me a hug, but it wasn't like, mm. all right, yeah, lovely. It, he he went and he, he held it and he put a squeeze in there mm. that went on for like, I don't know, five, six seconds. Not in a weird way, which, you know, that sort of sounds quite funny. But I knew he was saying, take this with you. Yeah, yeah. And also it was like, absolutely like not his job he wasn't like a father figure but it was like that is a male figure who you've entrusted all this stuff to 
And just at the moment where you're going, right, I'm, I'm going to go out there on my own now with what I've learned, he gave me that. And I promise you I've like, there's been times where I've, I've gone back to that little squeeze mm. and gone, yeah. oh, fucking glad he did that. Like, just reminds you of, it's almost like an anchor, like when people like hypnotize people. Like, it was like now and again, if I remember that thing, I instantly can feel all the work I did there. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of all kind of gets, got embodied in that squeeze. <laughs> so yeah. have you have you ever like talked someone's lingo or like it sounds a bit I don't want to put you on the spot, but you know, is 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 there any any moment where you might think uh you're learning the terms in which a person speaks and you might need to like put things a certain way that you feel like you've learned works for men? Um it's interesting. I don't I don't think I've ever consciously done that. I think it could cuz some of that could be sort of unconscious, but it would be surprising for a therapist not to be aware that they were doing that. Oh, um yeah. yeah, but I think maybe it depends because I think maybe if I'm aware that there's if like a client I can tell that they have a particular way of being that maybe a different style of being will uh, startle them. Mm-hmm. I might change some things. So I, I can't think of specific yeah. examples at the top of my head, but like if I give like a hypothetical, like it, I wouldn't swear for example, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. swear in the therapy room, but like mm-hmm. if there would have been a scenario where there might be the odd swear word, if this is a client who has been telling me for a long time that they um, that they're triggered by swearing, I'm gonna make sure that I don't. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that you know that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But I don't think I've ever like consciously modelled them like yeah. deliberately. But it's um, interesting though, isn't it? Because clearly you get people coming to you, or any therapist gets well uh, those that can. Uh, whether they're referred or they can afford it, whatever, I guess, end up in different places. But, um, like, this guy I saw, he was, like, in Chelsea. I'm sure there were, like, a lot of, sort of, like, people that had more money than me going to see him and all that. But you must get all sorts of different characters in front of you whose, mm. literally, whose mode of communication, whose language, whose expressiveness or, or lack of, and I don't mean that as an insult, I just mean some people don't talk much, some people have a fairly plain guarded way of speaking someone else might be like me and they're just like basically like ruby wax and I never shut up you know what I mean like everyone's <laughs> different and then you've got to like adapt to their style but I just think people should know that you don't have to have a level that you're supposed to be at no. because the person you are talking to is going to be smart enough to accept you for whoever you are right yeah yeah exactly a, a lot of people often do say like they'll swear and they'll go oh sorry for swearing and then I, I'll kind of um that almost becomes part of the the session like or oh, what you know oh, that's what is it you're worried about yeah like almost like there's a I think because it can um this word transference in therapy I mm-hmm. think that kind of dynamic can trigger feelings of like when you go into any authority setting and like the therapy can kind of the therapist 
represents like an authority figure so you get triggered into these like rem- talking to a teacher at school and and remembering mm. that you had to like put your hand up if you wanted to ask a question and I think when people first come to therapy they can do a little bit of like um I mean some yes. people are the complete opposite and don't care but some, there's, there's a lot of people that would be like oh I can't swear or I can't say this and then well yeah the, the uh, what's the word the, de- the idea of deference right yeah. Like so, yeah, I exactly I would argue that. like one of my observations as a what don't know what class I am anymore don't care either but grew up in a working class environment then moved into a world of like southerners and media people and uh, ended up doing therapy and all my friends are writers and comedians and whatever and so like the language of the people that I've known in the last twenty years has been different from the language of a lot of the people I knew in the. 20 odd years before that right so my observation uh one of my observations along the way with mental health has been like one of the reasons it's intimidating is because it is an intellectual pursuit it looks like an intellectual pursuit freudian jungian you know Mm. bookshelves full of you know you know deep deeply intellectual people who have trained at something who are really intelligent well, if you're just like an ordinary person who A, is scared of talking about their feelings, but B, isn't particularly well-versed in that universe or is a bit intimidated by the idea of a psychologist or, you know, that can be bloody scary. It's like, yeah. um, but I think people shouldn't be scared because most people that are doing that job are going to, are gonna well, not most people, but, you know, find, just make sure you find someone uh, that you know uh, communication won't have like judgment like that and it won't be anywhere near like a problem you know um, yeah. but but that's interesting as well I mean should there be a kind of uh, is there a sort of st- a different way of a, even like what am I trying to say I guess I'm trying to say should we be promoting therapy to the working classes in a way that that makes sure that they know that not to be intimidated by it being like the doctor with the bow tie on who's going to be looking down at you and who plays a you know the violin when you leave the room <laughs> like do you know what i mean yeah making it uh, accessible yeah, yeah. it's such a it, it's such a it's such an important question because that's where when you start talk when you start bringing in class gender race and disability um, and sexuality, when you look at the history of psychiatry, psychology, and psychotherapy over time, this is where those debates come in around how historically it's quite rooted, mm. at least in the West, it's quite yeah, rooted yeah, yeah. in a very, you know, all of that. And yeah. um, when, and I think clients pick up on that. And so if you are working class, there's like an inherent, there can feel to be like an inherent power dynamic. Mm. So the experience of a woman going in a therapy session with a male therapist will feel very different to the experience of a a man going in class. You can see it straight away. (laughs) Um, And I do think... It, there's been a lot of uh, 
there has been a lot of debates and changes to make it more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I can completely understand why it can be quite an intimate. Mm. I was going to say intimidating or like quite threatening because like there is a power dynamic there. It's like you're going to into a room where you're like expected to be vulnerable with someone who has like all the cards in a way because they don't reveal anything about themselves Mm -hmm. um and And you're putting a lot of trust in on the table yeah exactly and it's um that then goes into like all the conditioning of i mean i'm not a obviously i'm not a a man but like i can imagine that well i i know for a fact it's like it's been told to me in the past with clients that have come who are who are men who will share that kind of intimidate like that fear of Mm -hmm. like sort of explaining that for for men it can be um the fear of being shamed Mm. is particularly strong when they're sharing in front of a, a woman and like so there's a kind of like as a therapist i'm really mindful of that of like actually what they're sharing with me like holding it with respect like this isn't easy for them Mm. so although it could be easy for for some therapists to sort of because they're used to sharing and and it being open that it's not like that for everyone there's a different dynamic that walks into the room and respecting that on on an unspoken level um but there is something for making it more if if people knew that therapists i i guess what i'm trying to say in all of this is like therapists do do a lot of work around understanding that stuff and mm-hmm. becoming uh, very aware of like what they represent and mm-hmm. how they can impact the person they're talking to yeah. um, and they do do a lot of work we do do a lot of work and I do do a lot of work around um, uh, caring about that stuff and making it more uh, possible for more people to have therapy i mean it depends i guess on like how the therapist have set has set themselves up and where they work um, and what yeah. client base they work with but yeah. like i've been in um i've i've been inside male prisons and psychiatric wards like a very particular kind of uh, male client you know it's it's um it's a totally different world to yeah. working in like a private consulting room somewhere yeah, yeah absolutely yeah very interesting i hope i hope i answered your question no yeah okay. yeah I no I yeah I, I you know i i'm when i talk about this stuff with like in this sort of situation with you i'm thinking about all the people over the last two years or so who have sent me messages saying they find it useful to hear this whole universe being discussed there's no doubt that all this is great I think, mm. yeah. What I think that's great, and um, but but like what I want to say is, uh, wherever whatever part of society you're from, everyone should yeah everyone should trust that there will be someone out there that that you that you'll be able to talk to, uh, 
don't be intimidated by it understand that it is intimidating but it but then like if you if you do start doing therapy and you feel like silly or like the person isn't for you or whatever then it's like realizing that you're allowed to think well this isn't right for me there might be another way and all that like it might it might be the dynamic it might be just not the right person you might not be in the right frame of mind there's a million reasons why it not might not be right but don't let any one experience put you off the idea of the journey being something that's worth doing that's, that's that would be my i don't know if it's advice but you know um yeah because i have i've basically had like a couple of friends who went oh yeah i went to this therapist and then that 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 and then they said that and then well, I, was like, oh, I don't know if i believe in this person so i'm not doing it again and it's like oh that just wasn't like a match and then that person yeah, may yeah. have may never go back and do it and continue to have the same problems so anyway yeah there's uh we're living in an era where your industry i guess grows and gets more uh empowered all the time by you know doing more and more work on uh especially i'll, I'll just ask like oh, we'll wrap up now right but because i don't, don't want to keep you all night but um as more and more people get on this bus has it been like I don't know I'm going to use a really bad analogy and if I fuck it up it's fine like 15 years ago not many people 20 years ago not many people were, were you know sushi make eating sushi so that if you were a sushi chef you're kind of going well here I am making sushi for the nine people that eat sushi yeah. and then suddenly it's like fucking hell people want it at lunchtime <laughs> and like <laughs> and there's like sushi everywhere and now like the sushi industry is huge and it's like you know you you guys have had to grow with it as well right yeah yeah <laughs> definitely it you it's like um as society changes you experience it based on what people bring and how they talk so now what i notice and some other therapists i know have said similar is that now people will come in in the initial session they'll come with their or already with quite a lot of awareness of what's mm. going on for them so they might say like i either they've got a diagnosis or they think they have a diagnosis yeah, and they yeah, yeah. and they know quite a lot about it and they're almost uh it's not always the case but they're almost um checking to see the therapist understands it but they're taking to see i understand <laughs> so yeah. that's different to how it used to be yeah rather um, than so my version of that now because i obviously do loads of like I, I still read stuff watch videos follow instagram accounts and all that as well as the real work that i've done so i could i could say like you were say you were like an adhd expert and i came to see you mm -hmm. tomorrow i would be full of right here's why i think i've got this thing and it would be like me telling you that I've got this thing and wanting you to confirm it. But, you know, obviously a bit, I, I am also hoping that you'll be like, yeah, that's all very well sunshine. I'll, I'll be the one who checks the, checks whether your carburetor's working and you need new oil. And like, you still want the person to be the one who knows what questions to ask. But yeah. I guess generally, is it a good thing that people uh, at least are engaging with what they think might be going on for them or is it almost like uh you've come with preconceived ideas i think it's it can be a little bit of both um 
it's, it's actually one thing I've noticed. It's not. It, it's probably more erring on the side of the negative impact. But like, I have noticed that there's slightly more entitlement. It's a horrible word, but like, yeah. kind of um, like a slightly more demanding tone in an initial communication like I need therapy I can't do it this time I can only do it at that time you know a little bit like um uh, because it's being spoken about so much there's a kind of like I know I can have this where is it um yeah a product um rather than a a commitment to a, a journey yeah exactly yeah kind of like a yes yeah, slightly a, a quick fix sort of feeling i um, saw that just to chip in i saw that i've still not finished the series because because when i'm when i'm deep diving like i don't want to watch a drama about therapy but you know uh the uh what's it called the one with gabriel byrne in it oh shit what's it called there's a series there's a series that has been on sky for years or they did a bunch of series like it is literally a therapist um and his different clients and they all come in with very different attitudes i'm gonna go google it just because it's dead air gabriel Byrne. in treatment oh, okay so so there's been like characters in treatment who come in and you're you're, you're um you're intrigued by what different characters are bringing into the room and then suddenly someone walks in who's like, right, come on. I've been told I've got to be here, blah, 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 blah. I did that, apparently, blah, blah, blah. But I'm telling you, da, 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 so you tell me what's wrong. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on, you're the fucking expert. What is it? Yeah. And it's like, that was very interesting to see on a drama because you immediately f- sympathise with the therapist has now got to, like, get through that before mm. you're going to go anywhere near actually what needs to be worked on. Yeah. Yeah, that can happen. And then I guess, like, I guess coming at it compassionately, that's that's a kind of vulnerability as well. Yes. Um, so I can sort of appreciate that someone's coming in, they're kind of, that power dynamics there, maybe they're feeling a bit threatened, they're, they're mm-hmm. vulnerable, maybe it's not easy for them to open up, maybe they're shamed for doing so. So they're kind of or someone that might yeah might feel like I'm strong, I shouldn't even yeah. be here. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, not I'm to cast to... aspersions on any specific thing in case anyone listens to it goes, oh, that's me. But yeah, it's just um... it's just a very interesting. It's just there's just so many different types of people and so many different reasons and personalities and styles and personal ways of dealing with things and deep feelings it's like there's no right or wrong it's just i personally highly recommend the journey that's basically yeah yeah, what what i'd like to get out of um this little update uh, of of talking about that universe especially in a time where we know lots of people are struggling we know that it's not an easy time to live in this country on so many levels uh, regardless of what you think of all sorts of things, including, you know, uh, the, the economy, politics, 
this morning, the royal family, you name it. <laughs> like it doesn't matter what your thing is or isn't. We're, we're in and and post pandemic as well. You know, uh, mm. it's an odd world, and we all need each other. So uh, I hope us chatting like this is. Um, I hope that someone's getting something out of listening to this kind of talk. Very, very interesting. From my own point of view, I, I, I like you know, I, I can, I can kid myself sometimes that I like know my stuff in this realm, and I'm not, not on any level, kind of like uh, professionally into it. But I love talking about this stuff, and I always learn something from talking to people who really know what they're on about. Um, so thank you very much, Katie, for uh, letting me ask questions and stuff. And prattle on. Oh, thank you for having me. I was going to ask something. I don't know if you, you might want to... I don't know if, if it's still recording or not, but I was going to just say, like, one thing I would love to see, I've been thinking about it for ages, and it, I haven't seen it yet, I don't think, on TV, is when, um, when the pandemic hit and therapy went online, mm -hmm. the perspective of the therapist of how that felt of um suddenly moving all their clients onto zoom and yeah. um online but then having um like the things that were going on mm. in the backgrounds of people's houses really? um and seeing like the stark reality of it is is a story i really hope one day gets told oh, right. because yeah. the things we saw <laughs> i don't really? know that anyone's consulted therapists much on this but that's interesting are you pitching yeah. me a show right now Kate? no no but right. if you okay let's I do a 50 50 deal right now let's, uh, take it to sky 100k <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't pitching to you, but I was thinking if you if you, if you ever write something like I'd love to see something like that. Well, I mean, the thing um, is, you can only write this stuff when with with either if you've ex uh, got the the uh, you know the insights. So um, whether it's something that someone's been through themselves, or whether you just make sure you do the work and the research to get that insight, that's a very interesting. Um, so now there's be like hundreds of people listening to this going oh, off. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll pitch that. So I might I might delete this bit out. But it's a really good it's a really good point that uh, I'm going to be brave and not edit it out because it's a really interesting point that the difference between someone walking into your environment which never changes and mm. it's like someone yeah with a different personality accent clothes whatever sits down and says hello, this is what I'm bringing, and then you effectively, like, kind of imagining their home life mm. is a very different thing from them dialing in from that home life where there's, like, a cat on fire and a brick coming through the window and, yeah. you know, like, very different thing, right? Really different, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, well, I think we, I sh just... we, we should we should have a... <laughs> uh, we should have a brainstorm about that. That's really... That, I'd, I'd love to get your insight onto that properly. Yeah, feel free to pick my brain anytime. Yeah, on it. I will. And and I know I said this the last time, but I mean, you're welcome back anytime. It would be good to, to chat more because I think this is like a very valuable strand of of uh, episodes, especially over time where it's become clear that people love a bit of mental health talk, and you are like a proper expert, so it isn't just me banging on about my own life. 
No, it's great. And um, you're always welcome on my podcast as well. Um, yes. Yeah, anytime. Um, Please tell everyone what that talk- is. Um, so, oh, okay. Um, it's Sound Effects Podcast, which is a music and mental health podcast. Um, the lot, funnily enough, you mentioned ADHD. Yeah. Because my last episode is um, about ADHD and bipolar disorder. Right. with um adam nutter from the music oh um, wow right i remember them yeah i went to see them yeah they were brilliant weren't they yeah, i yeah. loved that band sorry man sorry about the army and navy in chelmsford when they were like literally about two months into being in the enemy and all that oh i'll have a oh, listen to that him. yeah I, I i hope you find it helpful I, um he 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 gets quite um he's really open in that episode we talk for two hours like he says a lot um and he goes into why the music broke up and how it left him feeling and like the heartbreak of it and everything and um yeah it's it's quite a lot but yeah that's the the podcast and i kind of alternate it between um sometimes i'm like looking at things like that where i'm exploring an issue within the music industry with a musician or a mental mm-hmm. health issue that a musician has mm-hmm. other times i'm looking at how music impacts us emotionally oh, that's um amazing. from like music therapists or like um charities that work with it or academics so i just kind of cover the whole spectrum but yeah you're you're i'd love to have you on if you if you ever yeah, want to to yeah talk about music and how it's impacted you oh definitely um, emotionally yeah definitely because you know just shoehorn a little bit of reminder to everyone that uh i like making music so that now and again when i drop it it doesn't look like it's out of nowhere um (laughs) yeah it's always been a very very important tool for me to uh a suit almost a self-soothing technique without a doubt and processing feelings about situations and people so yeah it'd be good to come on and have a proper deep dive on that and then yeah. when i do so we can then tell everyone here to go and listen to it brilliant <laughs> brilliant well we'll look i've it. really 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 enjoyed this chat and um i hope everyone else does too um katie thank you for joining me on stupid hearts club let's make sure we catch up again sooner than however long it is since the last time i think it's like 18 months or something something like that yeah uh, i think yeah thanks for having me i really appreciate it (laughs) well thank you very much see you soon bye Remember, if you love the show in a deep and probably unhealthy way, you can help support it on an ongoing and stalky basis on patreon.com forward slash stupid hearts club. Uh, your choice. See you soon, you internet weirdos. I- I'm, I'm one. <laughs>